I have one of the weirdest jobs in the world. I am a men's style coach. Men have always used our appearance as a way to signal things like strength, courage, mastery, honor, status. If you're over obsessing with how you look, it doesn't matter. Appearance is power and it's one of the most important ways that we can communicate it. I'm going to acknowledge the evolutionary cues as they are. You can be angry at that or you can embrace it and try and make the best out of it. Real men have always cared about the way that we look and you are not effeminate or dishonorable or whatever other pejorative you want to throw at it. Welcome back to the I Wish You Knew podcast, where we bring on the best people to teach you the things you need to know now. I am Adam Lane Smith, the attachment specialist, and with me, as always, is Sarah Don Moore. Sarah, it is good to see you again. You too, Adam. We have also brought in a good friend of mine and a very interesting expert that you need to hear from very quickly if you're a man who wants to look good, step into your power, and be the best man that you can be. Tanner Guzzi, it is good to see you. Can you please introduce yourself to the audience and tell them one thing that you wish they knew about you? Happy to do it. And first of all, thank you too for having me on. I'm excited to get to spend a little bit of time with you today. So like Adam said, my name is Tanner Guzzi. I am a father of six and I have the weirdest job in the world. I am a style coach, which basically means I teach men how to dress like they give a crap about themselves and they have some self-respect. And the one thing that I wish that you knew is that as important as your ability to communicate with your written and your spoken word is, your ability to communicate visually with your clothing, with your grooming, with all of that is just as powerful. And you need to get just as articulate with your visual language as you are with the rest of your language too. I love that. And I see right over your shoulder is a poster of The Appearance of Power, your book. Now that yes, is one of the most important books I think that a modern man can read. It's in definitely my top five. I've got it on my personal bookshelf in my office. I have recommended it to my coaching clients when they are ready to start dating. It is one of the absolute best books that a modern man can read, I think. to be. And, and I'm, I'm not even being generous. I mean, I'm very serious here. That's one of the best books. Tanner, could you please walk our audience a bit through a snapshot of what that book is about? Absolutely. And thank you for that high praise. That's incredibly high praise. So I appreciate it. The book is designed to help men understand that real men have always cared about the way that we look and you are not effeminate or dishonorable or whatever other pejorative you want to throw at it or was thrown at you for caring about how you looked when you were a kid or a teenager or anything else. Men have always used our appearance as a way to signal things like strength, courage, mastery, honor, status, in-tribe versus ex-tribe, and it doesn't matter where in history you go, to what culture you go, even tribes that don't have clothing still adorn themselves with body paint or other things because appearance is power and it's one of the most important ways that we can communicate it. And so it gives an historical background on all of it and then also gives a good insight and a great system into how you can start to think about how you can use your appearance to get a better understanding of who you are and reinforce your own sense of self to have more positive influence on the people around you, and honestly, just to introduce more nobility and more beauty into the world. And so it's a historical breakdown and also a good system and a how-to for you. Now, I want to address an objection right up front that a lot of men throw out of, you know, you're primping too much, you're, you're, you're over-obsessing with how you look, it doesn't matter. Sarah, 
You're the feminine energy in our room. You are a woman. You are dating. Could you please tell us, what is it like if you go on a date and you see a man who is wearing cargo shorts and flip-flops with socks and his hair maybe hasn't been, uh, say, uh, cut in a couple of months and he's, he's comfortable and relaxed do you look at that man with any level of sexual energy whatsoever? What's that like <laughs> as a woman to see a man doing that? Um, okay, so I think that we need to kind of address, if I, if I may, the obviously there's evolutionary signals that men will give when they present themselves to a woman. Mm -hmm. um, deep down, what's happening behind the scenes of thousands and thousands of years of evolution is a woman sees a man. I always say there's kind of two different types of men, mm -hmm. if I may, if mm -hmm. I break this down. Mm -hmm. That is the man who, you know, shows up and wants to take care of a woman and wants to take care of himself. And then a man who shows up and she feels that she needs to take care of him. <laughs> now, which one do you think leads to deep sexual attraction and sexual desire? Mm -hmm. You know, this is why men will come after me and they'll say, what do you know about giving advice to men on like how to show up to a date or how to present? Now, I may not be as um, well-versed in men's fashion as you, mm -hmm. but I know what it feels like to be a woman who is dating and to show up mm -hmm. with a man who it looks, like he does with his cargo shorts and his hair. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some women wouldn't, wouldn't deter from that. And sure. some women would still be attracted to that. But it also, what it also does is it tells me that he doesn't necessarily have a lot of um, social awareness, right? He doesn't know how to show up if we're at a nice restaurant or if his manners are off. You know, my mama is English. She's very proper when it comes to mm -hmm. teaching us the left and the right and where the fork and the knife is placed. Mm -hmm. And it just shows that you care to be aware of social graces mm -hmm. you know and i get alex hermosi he's got his thing he's sure. got his nose patch and whatever he does like i and his he's married and that's fine but you know he's rich guys mm -hmm. and so if you mm -hmm. show up in cut off shorts uh that might work for you very rarely will it mm -hmm. um i would absolutely say that there are certain things that you are signaling to a woman on multiple different levels and you can blame women for that that's fine mm -hmm. you can be angry about that all you want mm -hmm. or you can take responsibility and say all right i'm going to acknowledge the evolutionary cues as they are just as men have certain evolutionary cues that they are attracted to with women mm -hmm. you know long hair rosy cheeks fertility you can be angry at that or you can embrace it and try and make the best out of it that's my opinion as a woman what do you think tanner <laughs> yeah weigh in for us i totally agree no i totally agree <laughs> no i i think you're spot on and there's uh there is there's a certain resentment that we can experience but it's really like the the adult version of a tenter, of a temper tantrum where that's just the reality of things and you can either resent it and think that you're going to be able to go against all of those rules and all of those signals and somehow you get to be the exception or you can embrace it and learn to play by those. And especially because appearance has so much more to do, the attraction element is huge, but it has a lot to do with the way that you interact with other men and the way that we size each other up and in group versus out group. And it also has a lot to do with even just your own self-perception. Do you like the person that you see in the mirror? Do you have respect for the person that you see in the mirror? And so there's power on an 
inter and intrasexual. And there's a very like personal level of power that comes with it all too. And you can't argue with it. It's there. And so you can either choose to resent it or you can choose to embrace it. That was something that was transformative from your book. So I, I grew up, fashion was not something we were aware of growing up. Uh, we we kind of wore whatever was on sale at the, the lowest stores. And, and I think a lot of American men are very similar. You know, you dress for comfort. You, you kind of just dress a, a, as a kid. And once you hit adulthood, nobody really comes along and says, okay, you're no longer a child. You know, you should dress differently. You still remember, oh, well, if it's, a, if it's Sunday, I wear a button-down shirt. And I make sure my shoes don't have holes in them. That's where most American men come in. And that's where they mostly, American men live as adults. So your book was a, an eye-opening how-to about how to step into manhood and dress for manhood. I thought that was fascinating. But you also talk extensively about how to step into manhood in a number of ways. So can you give our audience maybe a snippet of what is the difference, masculinity, between boyhood and manhood? Is there a difference? Should there be a difference? I think that we're seeing a big problem in our culture where we're seeing the extension of adolescence in both directions where we pull kids out of childhood at earlier and earlier ages, and then we extend adolescence further and further into adulthood. And I'm of the opinion that adolescence should be as short of a transition as possible, that our kids should stay young and innocent for as long as they possibly can, and then make the transition to adulthood as quickly as they possibly can. And traditionally, especially for men, that was done with rites of passage, is there was a an event that happened that you went through the door and you went from being a child into being a man. And I think that it's a tragedy that so much of Western culture doesn't have anything like that. And it's the problem is twofold. One, we don't have the rite of passage in and of itself as far as the doorway to go through. But two, on the other side is even if you do have a, a rite of passage, there's not much of a difference on that other end. There's still just man children or like adult boys that may be older, but don't accept. I wouldn't even say accept. We don't even really embrace the responsibilities and the privileges that come with those responsibilities. And Adam, I don't know what it was like for you, but for me, man, when I was a teenager, I didn't really want to grow up. The way that masculinity was modeled for me was it was like henpecked, slovenly dudes that didn't have hobbies and their wives didn't love them and their kids didn't respect them. And they just went to jobs that they hated and served in church callings that they didn't like. And there was really nothing that was appealing about that for me. And I think that one of the things that we really miss is that we've, to a large extent, we've robbed real, like I would say fatherhood and mature masculinity and family and these types of things, we've robbed them of their nobility to the point where they're not aspirational for people anymore. And all people want to do is stay 20 for as long as they possibly can. Adam, what's that smell? I can smell it from over here. Oh, this is Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply Beard Oil. It feels amazing. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Ooh, a good one. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I remember growing up, it was like manhood was where hope went to die. Yes. And dignity and self-respect and aspiration and everything else. So let me talk to you a little bit about, from a woman's perspective, what I see is happening. Because, you know, being a, a single woman who is fairly attractive, if I might mm -hmm. say, um, you know, there's a lot of us that are 
really kind of sad with the state of where manhood is right now. And a lot of men will kind of like to blame us. That brings me to the community that I was actually first introduced to you by a good friend, uh, Travis. Mm -hmm. And he was in the, you know, he's kind of in this whole red pill space. So as a woman, I'm looking at it and going, okay, there's the men who are doing well, apparently, like they look good. You know, those are the top 10% of men that are kind of getting all of the, the pickings and the, the pickings are fruitful and ripe for that man. If he takes care, just if he takes a little bit of care of himself, but then, then there's this, you know, this kind of these Andrew Tates and these guys that are coming out and the, the community that I think kind of helped you grow. I just see that as so toxic, like truly what kind of message are they giving to men that is building them up? That's giving them the opposite message of what you're talking about. This like slovenly man, but then it's like, we've almost gone to the opposite direction where is what now, what is manhood cars, Bugattis, you know, bunch of bitches. Um, you know, what, what, where's the balance? And like, what are you seeing as a man in this space, how are you pulling them back into a healthy view of masculinity? What, what are you doing to kind of over, fix the overcorrection that's happening? And from, from my eyes, what I see as a woman is that it's, it's kind of going in a, in a real weird space. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that for sure. Okay. So like you alluded to, I've been in this space for a long time. I, uh, I first stumbled on the quote unquote manosphere and the red pill community and everything clear back in man, maybe 2009 was when I first started uh, discovering a lot of this stuff. And this, these are defunct blogs. And this was when blogging was still a thing. And I think one of the things that's been nice for me is being married, uh, being religious. I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so it's a very like devout religion. And I've always been able to kind of be in this space and see that a lot of these guys do a very, very good job of naming the problem, but there are so many disparate solutions and a lot of them are not very good solutions. And so I really don't wanna make enemies with anybody who is trying to make men into better men. Um, Andrew Tate, some, uh, a colleague and somebody that you know we've connected and stuff like that. And I don't think he would be surprised to know that I, there are a lot of things that I morally disagree with as far as what his lifestyle is and what he preaches and all of that. Um, but I do think that there are, there are levels to it. And what I try to do is I believe in aspirational masculinity. I believe in aspirational manhood. And I believe that family men have a moral obligation really to almost kind of like put a marketing lens on it. And that makes it sound kind of like chintzy and post-capitalistic or anything else. But we really do have a moral obligation to make fatherhood and family and responsibility and culture building and civilization building into something that is aspirational and desirable because all the other guys who are, I mean, it's so hard to compete against hedonism and degeneracy and selfishness. Like that's a real easy sell. And when you have all of that, that it really, I understand why, why Tate is so appealing to young single dudes. And then when it's juxtaposed against either absent dads or dorky dads, of course they're gonna go that way. And so if we can create a very positive family focused, like a very healthy 
men are men, women are women. We're not competitive. We're correlated. Like there's this complementary nature to it. And those things should be celebrated and embraced. If we can create a culture that actually promotes that, then all of these other things start to lose their appeal less and less. But right now I feel like we're just in this kind of like false dichotomy of it's either the Andrew Tate or the dorky dad. <laughs> it's so true. It's, it's one of the biggest comments I get most often is, you know, I'm, I'm a father now. I'm a father of, of many, many children now. <laughs> Not quite as many as you, but getting there. Uh, we're, we're in a competition a little bit, I think. But and I, I've got number five on the way. And what's cool is when I say on a, on a live stream, like, hey, you know, I've got four kids. I got number five on the way. Some men will ask, like, why? And, and they don't like, why would you do that? It's horrible. But they don't get it. And they really want to know. So then if I ever mention, like, man, I love being a dad. It's great. So it's one of my favorite parts of life is, is being a father. And, and it's so it, it, it enriching and fulfilling. And, and it's like, it pulls you in and, and it's this ultimate purpose for me. And when I talk about that, I get all these like emails and DMs like, Adam, thank you so much for saying something about fatherhood. I've always wondered and, and I've never heard something positive about it until this message. And I was just, I, I, I had wondered if kids would be for me. Hearing you talk about it, I kind of have some hope. Like men are shocked when dads enjoy being dads. It, it's it, it, it's it's crazy to think that, but you're so right. There's so few men talking about the benefits of manhood and fatherhood today. Yeah, and it is it's a it's a tragedy and a crime. And I don't know how it is for you, but man, for me, fatherhood is rocket fuel. the <laughs> The responsibility of having six kids that are dependent on me yeah. and being in a traditional relationship where where my wife is our homemaker, I'm the sole breadwinner. Mm -hmm. I don't have the luxury of not excelling in what I do. And the pressure that comes from that is daunting, but I've also realized such a huge amount of personal development that if I were 39 and didn't have the responsibility of family and kids, I would probably be content to be making 45K a year, living with a roommate or two, playing Halo and watching porn mm -hmm. and doing that for the rest of my life. You know, like it just is. Welcome to the so dating pool. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Seriously. And it's just, there's so much more greatness that you can accomplish and so much more of a sense of self. And I, sorry guys, like you can go bed your 39th woman that's a stranger on Tinder but I'm going to go do Muay Thai with my nine-year-old son on Saturday morning. And I'm going to enjoy that significantly more than I will another notch count. That's just, that is so true. I, you know, I, I remember being 31 and the day before my son was born, I was thinking, you know, man, I got to step up my game. I got to be better. I got kids coming, you know, it, 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 it was a big deal. But I remember the moment my wife handed me my son and I held him in my arms I remember looking down at him and just thinking like, I will do anything for you. I will do mm -hmm. whatever it's going to take. And, and like it, it lit a fire in me that has never gone out. And I had never experienced a moment like that in my life. And, and it is all consuming. And I cannot, I cannot even imagine for a moment going back to the man I was before that. I can't never, never, ever. Mm -mm. So where do you think that women can help in this endeavor? Because obviously, I mean, I have a platform. I, I speak a lot about male behaviors. I, I tell this story quite often, but we you know when I was trying to learn about men, 
I realized that there was a gap in the market. There's very few books. Women are not necessarily taught about men. We're not taught how you work. We're not taught how to really date you. We're not taught how to potentially just show up in relationship with you. And especially women who are don't have fathers, we're also kind of lost in, in a sea of confusion. And then you see what happens, right? There's a lot of women who are angry. There's a lot of women who have like left the fold of dating. There's, you know, the toxic femininity. And so when I started talking about men, of course, I was called a pick me. I was, I was many other worse things than that. Um, and it, and it was shocking to me because I thought, wow, I'm just trying to get the word out of how, how men you know, need to be treated because what I learned in my time of understanding men and learning about men, you know, the three books that, that are out there about men is that, you know, to, in order to motivate a man, you know, he needs something to fight for. He needs that appreciation, that respect. A lot of times a man will change for a woman or like up level himself, like you said, for his family, for a woman, you know, you, you can help men, you know, they want to fight for their queen when they find it. So I just wonder, there are so many women that are struggling right now is in the dating market is myself included. It's very difficult to find men who want to settle down and who want to take responsibility and who want to commit to one woman. So how do we inspire our men to be better, take more responsibility that's a great question. And one that I don't even know if I have an answer to from a dating perspective, you know, I've been out of the dating pool for 12 years. And even the way that even just from a logistical perspective, that may as well be 120 years you know, <laughs> compared to where things were. But I would say from what I can see from inside a marriage and with my siblings being married or my friends being married or things like that. And I see this that goes a lot in both ways is I think that one of the best things that both men can do for women and women can do for men is husbands are not defective wives, neither are dads defective moms. It's, it's embracing the complementary nature of what it is to be a man and what it is to be a woman. And if, and this is admittedly, this is not one of the things that I'm great at either. And I have learned and continue to learn the more that I can be solid enough in who I am and not be threatened by the ways that my wife is different than me, but lean into and embrace the ways that she's different than me and have that be a complementary nature between us, then not only do we have more cohesion in our relationship, but it also creates a better model for our children. And the more that I can help my kids see that mom is supposed to do things a little bit differently than dad. And the more that she can help them see that dad is supposed to do things differently than mom, if we can lean into those differences, as opposed to this like weird androgenization, competitiveness of everything else is, you know, we're all supposed to be, men are supposed to be more effeminate and women are supposed to be more masculine. And I think the more that we can lean into those differences, then the better off things are. And so I would say that probably would be applicable from a dating perspective is the more that you can make him feel like you love him for the ways that he's not like you, the ways that he compliments you, the more he's going to go, oh, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to lean into that. I, I want to do more of that. I like the response that this gets. And I like that I'm not being penalized or punished for this. And so I would expect that you'll see more and more of a, of a positive response to that kind of treatment. So let's say that men want to step forward. Men want to step into that masculine. Men want to embrace that power, right? 
there's a number of ways that they can do this. And, and I want to talk with you about your specialty here in a minute. I know that the way that we show up, the way that we physically appear makes a huge difference. Our sponsor here is Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply, and they, they help you with your beard, they help you with your face, they help you with, with everything you need to take care of yourself so you can show up with that masculine power. And I would love to hear from you. Let's say you have a man sign up for your coaching practice, and he says, all right, Tanner, I'm convinced, you, you know, I, I'm tired of wearing cargo pants and this Captain America sweatshirt on all of my dates. You know, how can I show up as a man? How do you get a man to invest in himself? Or, or, or even more than that, how do you get a man ready to embody that power? Can you walk us through that a little bit? What that even looks like to embody his power? Absolutely. This is one of the biggest differences between what I do and the equivalent of hiring a stylist or getting like a shopper at a department store or doing one of those subscription boxes. Because what these other approaches are is they will take the outside world of trends or the companies that are sponsoring things or anything else and then they will basically try to shoehorn that onto a particular client it's like this is what women find attractive and so this is what you should be wearing and all of that i take the opposite approach where what we do is we start with who you are on the inside and we do a really deep dive to understand who it is that you are what it is you bring to the table and what it is that you want to reinforce when you see yourself in the mirror, on social media, on dating apps, in family photos, whatever it may be, and also what you wanna to communicate to other people. And what we usually do is try to distill that down into one or two words. And so some of my clients, you know, we get things like Aslan energy or the shaman or cowboy hacker or warrior intelligence or uh, quiet excellence or whatever it may be. And then we build an entire wardrobe that is always geared towards does it reflect that? Can you put on what you're wearing today and feel like Aslan or feel like this is a good combination of the warrior and the intelligence or whatever else? And not only does it end up being, yeah, like we obviously get aesthetically pleasing and we communicate, but the most important thing, and guys will understand this on a, on a very deep level, a man will never dress well if he feels like a fake wearing what he's wearing. He will go back to wearing the worst stuff if it feels authentic. It does not matter how good something looks if he feels like he's lying or he's faking or if he's posing. And so by starting on the inside, we can create something that is attractive to the opposite sex. It gets the right influence with other men around you. But most importantly, you feel like yourself in what you're wearing and you could feel like yourself in every environment that you're with it. And so that's how I start with my guys. When do they come to you the most? I'm, I'm interested as far as, you know, are, are they trying to get a relationship? Are they married? Are they at that point? It's like, when does a man say, all right, Tanner, I'm like, I need help. <laughs> that's a fun question. So I work with guys from, it runs the gamut, single guys, I've got clients in their late 60s and 70s, guys in the States, guys all over the country, guys in every industry. And so the thing that I've noticed is the biggest thing is that there is some sort of an identity transition that is happening. It's I'm moving to a different country or I've switched careers or I've just become a father or I'm an empty nester or I lost 100 pounds or whatever it may be. They're going through something that the old version of who they are, that old script is no longer applicable and they realize that the way that they dress is still playing that old script and they want to update it to reflect what the new script is. I love that. So where, so okay, you start on the inside, but then 
is there a place where they have, okay, let's say they have a $200 budget or a $300 budget. Is it a nice pair of shoes, a good pair of jeans, a white collared shirt? Like where, what's like the base, the basics that, that they could go and get now, not saying that you don't need Tanner services. I'm just kind of oh, yeah. given, given a little bit of a hint totally. as to if I'm looking at, I mean, I know as a woman, like what certain things that I look for and maybe I'll say after I want to see what you say first, but it's like, where, where do you kind of start with your accessorizing? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fun question too. Okay. So usually what I would recommend guys do, especially if they're not ready to do the full deep dive and go in with me is stay where you are. Like the old style advice is basically, you know, if you're wearing t-shirt and jeans, then go to a button up and khakis, or if you're wearing button up and khakis, then go to a full suit. And we're not in the 20th century where more formal equals more stylish the internet and especially like tech companies and everything just killed that. And so <laughs> what I typically recommend for guys is dress at the same level of formality that you currently are, but just do it better. And so if your life is jeans and a t-shirt, then get jeans that are a good dark color and they're not, you know, four and a half inches too long and they don't have weird holes or like faux distressing or something else like that. And if you're wearing t-shirts, Get t-shirts that fit you in the sleeves and the arms and the chest well and get rid of the graphics that basically say my identity is rooted in the consumption of this product or the fandom of this particular franchise or whatever else and wear a solid shirt that lets you be the focal point as opposed to your identity as a consumer being the focal point. And so it usually is a matter of simplifying things, getting the highest quality that you can afford and making it so that what a lot of people miss is oftentimes they see it as their clothing is the painting and the person wearing it is the frame. And when you're doing it right, it's that you are the, you are the painting and the clothing is the frame and you want it to be communicating more about who you are. Yeah. And so just do a better version of what you're currently doing. You know, you go back to the question that you had asked me previously in regards to, you know, what does a woman see when a man, you know, takes care of himself? Mm -hmm. I had another woman on the podcast the other day and we were chit chatting about, you know, the rugged gro uh, legacy grooming supply. And I asked her, I said, do you look in the medicine cabinet? We have a little secret here, us, us women. We totally look at your medicine cabinet to see what kind of products that you have. Are you taking care of yourself? You know, and it's, but, but the first impression that you're making on a date, right? When you have, let's say a nice timepiece or a good pair of shoes, a nice pair of jeans is, oh, okay. He's taking care of himself. I can get a glimpse into what his apartment might look like. I'm going to get a glimpse into mm -hmm. what his house might look like. You know, that again, these are all the things happening in the background of when a woman shows up and sees a man who looks damn good. She automatically assumes if he takes care of himself this way, then he must take care of himself in other ways. You know, what's fascinating. You mentioned the timepiece and, and that was something that had never occurred to me until I read Tanner's book that a watch could actually do more than just, oh, that's what time it is, that it could embody something different. Tanner, could you share for the audience? And maybe it's a simple truth. Maybe people listening will, will not be as blown away as I was, but could I think they will. Could you please talk to the audience a little about even just what does a watch symbolize if a man's wearing a watch? What does that mean? Yeah, a watch is such a fun piece because it's one of those things that, okay, Clothing, you can think about it kind of like slang, where I'm sure that within the particular workplace that whatever it is that you guys are listening in, whatever you, you work at, 
you have certain language that you use and are used to within your work environment that anybody who doesn't work in that same environment, they have no idea, you know, and so it may be uh, these particular KPIs or this is what my CRM does or whatever. And and if you're not in that industry, if you're not in that particular tribe, you don't understand the lingo. But if you do, it's a shortcut and it's a way to ease communication. OK, clothing does the same thing. And watches are a great example where. Unless you're going like really big bling where you're, you know, overly gaudy and massive, think like what 50 Cent or Conor McGregor or a lot of these other guys will wear, you know, like Manny Pacquiao and these guys, like, unless you're going that over the top, most people won't ever pay attention to your watch, except for the people who know what to pay attention to for your watch. And so it's like speaking a secret language where you're not sending the wrong signals to people who don't understand it, but you are sending the right signals to the people who do understand it. And guys who are into watches may look at something that's kind of the stereotypical higher end, like a Rolex and think, oh, okay, well, this guy makes some money, but he's just you know buying it because that's the high end brand where they may see something like a Panerai or a Tudor or an IWC or something else and go, okay, that's a little bit more niche. This guy's maybe more into it this way or whatever else. And so there are levels of language that can communicate I'm in this group or I'm not in this group with something just as simple as what the, the timepiece is on your wrist. And a man who has a lot of things to do has to keep track of time. A man on a, I'm just saying, no, as that, a, woman, a woman's perspective, I'm like, okay, he's got, you know, he's got, to, he's got to keep track of his and, schedule. And that was how I thought of it when it was when, when I, when I stopped working in office, I started working for myself. I just like tossed my watch and said, I don't care. I'm not gonna wear that anymore. I have a clock on the wall. I have my phone and you know, I don't need to track that. But what was cool about in Tanner's book is he talks about like a man who wears a watch his time is so important that he measures it on a specific device that he keeps on his hand. And that hit me right in the brain. Like, and, and, sure. and it's a signal. So now I always wear a watch whenever I'm present anywhere, because number one, my time is that valuable, but it also does send a signal of your time is important and other people need to respect that. Yeah. And that was fascinating to me. Just yeah. even that piece of your book. I think that was like half a page in the book, but even that was just mind blowing. Well, and think about what that reinforces for you where it's not necessarily that anybody else is understanding it, but now you, every time you see it, that is subtle. It's, it's positive self-sight just, and that's just as powerful as positive self-talk. And so you can look yourself in the mirror every day and say, my time is valuable. And I'm a man who values his time and that, that can work. And you can do that every time you look on your wrist and you see the watch as well. Absolutely. That, and that has, but that's, and that's funny. It's like a, a silent affirmation of your yes. time is this valuable and you're not faking it. Like you said, it's, it's not like you put it on and, and make yourself feel, Oh, my time's important. You put it on and you do say my time is important. Yep. So let me ask you, Tanner, what are some transformations? What do men feel like after they go through your program? Ooh. Like, is it, you know, are they getting more dates? Are they feeling more confident? Do they, I mean, I, I think it could even impact how much money you're making. Like, are you asking for raises? Like, are you sh like, how are these men showing up differently than when they were before meeting you? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really, I, I like that you're asking that. Okay. I can give you a couple examples from some, some of my clients. I have one that comes top of mind where we were talking one time um, as we were kind of finishing up the program and he started to get emotional and started to get really teary eyed and told me that his relationship with his kids has improved because even though he's still wearing really casual lounge stuff at home, it fits him better and it looks better. 
and his kids now see a dad who pays more attention to things and has more self-respect. And so there's more cohesion with his kids. Or I've heard from other clients where their wives will say, you finally look like the person that I thought I was the only one who could see. And now everybody gets to see it because it looks like that on the outside. Or I do, I have clients who will be able to go in and command a stage. Whereas before they were always self-conscious if they had to go up and speak. Because one of the things that most guys don't think about or realize is whether it's on a date or a work presentation or something else, something that there's a little bit of pressure on is your clothing very rarely is neutral. For most of us, it's another thing to be self-conscious about and another annoying buzz to be in the back of your head. But if you can get your style dialed in, then it becomes another confidence boost so that you can go out confidently on that date or do that. This is why, this is why athletes wear uniforms. You put on the uniform and you, you embrace a totally different mindset that I am a professional. I deserve to be here. I'm part of a team. Like you, you ask anybody who's earned the right to wear a uniform, whether that's an athlete or a police officer or somebody in the military, their entire mindset is different because of that reinforcement that happens when they put on that uniform and you become more present and more capable of performing. And my guys get to experience that every day now all the time. I'd like to talk a little bit about our sponsor today, Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply, because men, there are two types of men in this world. One, the man who takes care of himself, or the other man that expects a woman to take care of him, and you don't want to be the latter. So pick up these supplies. It is a full grooming set. They smell amazing. They smell like masculinity, and you won't regret it. It is a full line of products, a full suite from everything from head to toe, what you need to bring out the best in you. So it's not even that you have changed who they are necessarily. It sounds like what you're doing is teaching them to find that best version of themselves and present that outward so that the world can finally see their best version and they can be taken seriously. 100%. We are not changing who they are. And that's why most guys are resistant to style is they think that it's about changing who they are. It's about actually digging and uncovering who you are and then the term I use is extegrity. You know, you think about integrity, which is I do, I, I, I'm the same person in public as I, as I am in private. Extegrity is basically who I am on the outside is the same as who I am on the inside. There is this internal external alignment and there's no dissonance between the two. And sadly for most guys, there is this dissonance because they just dress in a way that's either sloppy or safe and it doesn't reflect the multidimensional assertive trying to improve all of these other things that they actually are. It's a lie. It's a safe lie. It's one that's comfortable, but it's still a lie. And by the time you're done working with me, that lie doesn't have to exist. Now, I think this is what I'm hearing here. And, and, and I've been toying with this idea because I've been following you for a long time. I love studying your stuff. Every time your stuff comes across my feet, I'm happy to see it because I, I learned something really valuable. Um, but what I'm getting here is authentic masculinity is not about not caring how you appear. Authentic masculinity is about being honest in every regard, including how you show up, including how you display, including how you smell, right? Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply, but including how you track your time, including how you present your inner self to the world. Authentic masculinity is about always telling the fullness of truth. And I think... Sarah, I've talked to you before about masculinity is the embracing of responsibility for the safety of others in your presence. 
I think that that's what most men miss, Tanner. Because I, I, I love your, I, I love your your Twitter now X your X feed of every time somebody shows up. There's a tribal uniform. There's Napoleon. There's a king. You always you have this perfect thing that you always post. It, you you post the image and say, but real men don't care how they look. And it's it's <laughs> such an amazing like slap. Every time I see that thing pop up there, Sarah, have you have you ever met a man who says? Men shouldn't care how they look. And if you've met those men, not how do they look, but how do they show up in relationships? They wouldn't make it past my army of brothers. <laughs> they, they wouldn't make it past the first date. And and I wanted to ask you about that because in the back of my mind, I'm, I am, I'm sitting here thinking about something that's also uh, very important. And that is the transition and, and maybe you teach men this as well, but that is the transition of something that we don't really like to talk about here in the United States, but in Europe, this is a, a very prevalent topic that people talk about, which mm. is class. Mm. Teaching, teaching men how to show up, mm. you know, teaching them how to sit down at a table properly, teaching them chivalry, you know, without expecting anything back in return. And I think that a lot of men are, I see this happening in the manosphere. Some people might say that chivalry is dead and women killed it. I've heard that quote, quote once or twice before on podcasts that I've been on. But really, it's like you're giving your power away to women inherently to to you want to get praise from them. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing the chivalry for. That's why you're opening the door. And I, like I told you, I was raised by a very, very British mother. She was raised in the British Commonwealth. And there were certain things that that she was very, very strict with us about. And, and I hated it as a kid, but now I see why she did it. I understood because she, she wanted me to be prepared. Although we grew up very humble, very humble beginnings. And we've all worked. We've all have every one of my siblings and I have, um, you know, risen above our, our ranks and we're doing very well for ourselves. But I feel confident now that when I walk in the room with somebody who is making however much money, when I walk into a fine dining restaurant, when I am presented in a situation I don't feel intimidated by that. I feel I, I fit right in. I know exactly the type of manners, the social graces, certain things you know that I need to do to present in a way that 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 social circle might accept me. And and now in the United States, I think we kind of we we put that down that you don't have to learn social graces that you that they should, people just should accept me for who I am it, my ghetto my cursing my you know f bomb here and there and you may not be invited back to those circles and why would you want to shoot yourself in the foot and i i want to encourage men to, to take that there's a whole other set of rules that you need to understand as well not just your your fashion that is just one aspect so mm -hmm. tanner i would love to hear your opinion on you know how do you teach men social graces how do you teach them to show up in a room with confidence they got their dress on but you know if you're burping in front of somebody who you know shark tank <laughs> investors mark cuban it's not going to go very well so how do you teach them these manners the thing that comes to mind for me as you're talking about this is uh, the poem If by Rudyard Kipling. And there's one little part in there where he says, if you can walk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose the common touch. And the whole poem is basically about what it is to be a man. And that's that idea of being able to 
cross different uh, class barriers because you should, I actually just did a, I just did a whole thing on this from a clothing perspective on Instagram last week. Uh, you think about when I go to get street tacos or I go to get barbecue, I don't want it on fancy China. I want it with like grease and paper towels and like you're, you're a little bit sketchy about where the area is because that's the best kind of stuff. But if I'm paying for a high-end steak, I don't want it on a Dixie plate. And so <laughs> you want to be able to cross all of those different levels, right? And the same thing happens with clothing, with how formal or how casual it is. And I would argue that the same thing happens with your manners because you don't want to be the hoity-toity dude that can't understand that you're you're watching the football game at your buddy's house and like it, it, it's supposed to be loud and raucous, like embrace that. But you're also not going to be, you know, scratching yourself and making loud jokes if you're going to the symphony and you've, you've been dragged and you hate the fact that you're there, right? And you want to be just as comfortable at the football game as you are in the symphony. Now, the one thing that I think that a lot of guys, okay, a certain subset of guys can miss out on with this, and I see it both with manners and with clothing, is that we used to be in a dignity culture where everybody was expected to, to exist that way. Those manners were kind of common sense. Clothing reflected this idea of dignity and not only respect for self, but, reflect, but respect for other people. And sadly now, that's not the culture that we're in. And I see a lot of guys who don't embody masculinity in any other way. They're not socially competent. They don't have any physical capability. They're not making, they're not making money. They don't have a lot that's going for them. And then they think that if they dress well and they have good manners, that that's going to make up for it. And, and that that somehow is all that matters. And that's where you get like the nice guys or the gentle dorks or these other kind of attributes. And so I would say that the best thing that guys can do is, you know, I've, I've had other friends who have, uh, you know, like uh, John Lovell, who calls it like the warrior poet or um, Josh Tyler, who calls it like the savage gentleman. But it's, if you can bring up a lot of the, the physical and those more kind of like raw and a little bit more dangerous aspects of your masculinity and bring up those other civilized aspects, it's the juxtaposition of those that creates a really well-balanced man. But otherwise, you're just barbarian or you're just dork and you don't want to be either one of those externalities. And that is so true. I remember at the very beginning of my career back as a therapist, I, I worked with two different populations. One was corrections or fresh out of corrections. And you did not want to show up in a suit and tie. You did not want to show up in a button up shirt. And, and because they, the, the, the only people they saw like that were people that talked down to them and sentenced them or failed them in court. Like you did not want to be somebody who had done that. So I, I started off dressing too nice for that crowd and I had to start dressing down where, you know, maximum you wear a polo shirt, right? And untucked and maybe jeans, polo shirt and jeans. And then they would talk to you. Then they'd relax into your presence and then you could build a relationship with them. But I also worked, I started working after that with, with entrepreneurs and with people who had, you know, trust fund families and things like that. And you did not want to just show up looking super casual, like you didn't care. You didn't have to go a full suit there either, but you need to step up to the next level. Otherwise they would think, why am I hiring this person? They don't even understand where I'm coming from. And, and I remember when I started off, I, I thought I hated polo shirts 
I thought I hated them. I said, oh, I'll never wear a polo shirt. So to, it's T-shirt or button-up shirt. But I, I realized very quickly I hated $9 polo shirts. The, the nice <laughs> yeah. polo shirts I loved. And now I'm wearing one. And, and my mm -hmm. sons wear polos. And they're very comfortable in them. But nice ones, you know. And, and it is such a difference. Dress, number one, for the people that you're around so you can build relationships and you signal correctly. And dress, number two, so that you are authentically yourself at the same time. You're not wearing a, you're not wearing a costume. Like Tanner said, it's a uniform. And that's very different from a costume. And as a woman, I would say that, again, <laughs> it goes, so, goes way back to evolutionary psychology. I keep going back to this, but... There's something deeply ingrained in us where we want to take you to the symphony. Like you said, we want to be able to take you to different places and not have to babysit, not have to go, oh my gosh, you know, am I going, is this guy going to embarrass me? Dress him up, fix his hair. Is yeah. he going to be socially awkward? Mm. Is he going to be able to present himself? He is a, he is a representation of me and vice versa. Oh. We represent each yep. other. And when I am not by him, when I can go off and talk to my girls and, and network and do my thing as women do, build the social circle, mm -hmm. I want to be able to leave him with the tribe of men that he's in and he can make his way and his yeah. reputation yeah. will precede him. And that is how a woman gains respect for a man. Mm -hmm. She wants to see that man that you take care of yourself again. And so men, it's, it's just so it's easy. Women want to be able to look up to you. We want to be able to see you and be proud of you. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm sorry to say it, but there's a lot of men who don't <laughs> take that. They don't take care. And it's very difficult for a woman to keep that attraction to see you as long-term potential if you don't step into these roles, because then it just feels like we are mothering and the opposite oh, yeah. of desire, the opposite of sex, the opposite of passion is a woman who feels that she has to mother you and take care of you. She doesn't, I think there's a level of, if you're open to it, right? Like if you're open to having the conversation, there was a time when, you know, my, one of my exes, he let, he let me go to town. He gave me his credit card and said, let's go. Mm -hmm. And we had, we had a great time, mm -hmm. spent mm -hmm. thousands of dollars going Going to Nordstrom and I had a I had yeah. a fantastic time. It was so fun and he looked amazing. So I'm gonna ask two questions here. I'm gonna ask you a question and then Tanner, I want to ask you a question after that. Sarah, great. Here's something I'm thinking, and I'm working this through in my brain. Women are drawn to men with power, but women are not drawn to men who are using power. I think women are drawn to men who embrace the reality of the power they have. Yes. Right. If you abandon that power or you ignore it or you're irresponsible with it, even if you're not misusing it, but you show up ignoring the responsibility of power, ignoring tribe, ignoring everything, you're not embracing the power you have. Women aren't looking for you to you know, beat someone with a stick. They want you to be able to command that presence. Is that it? Women can tell very quickly if your power is coming from authenticity and self-confidence versus ego and a lack thereof self-confidence. Are you using your power to gain a false sense of self and self-respect? Are you mm -hmm. using that in a negative way? 
women can smell that and mm. and just like a guy who is driving the lifted truck who lifted it a bit too much or the guy who puts the huge spoiler on his car are you doing it for attention or are you doing it because you actually believe in yourself and you actually respect yourself i love that i love that so tanner that brings me to my question then chaining off of that Men watching this, they're listening to this, they're starting to think, okay, maybe caring about my appearance isn't, isn't an effeminate thing. Maybe I should care about my appearance. Where do I start? What is, what is one thing you can advise them? Besides, I mean, pick up your book. Number one, pick up The Appearance of Power. It's on Amazon. I have a copy on my shelf at home. I recommend it to a lot of my coaching clients. Um, pick that up. But, but what is one thing, Tanner, that you could recommend a guy start with today? Sit down and make a list of something or look in the mirror. What is one thing a man can start doing today to start taking his power seriously and embodying some of that power? I would say, um, in addition to what we already talked about, as far as like taking the way you're already dressing and just executing on it mm -hmm. better mm -hmm. and making sure that what you're communicating is that you are the, you are the painting as opposed to the frame. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that I would say that you can add in addition to that is go through your closet and figure out what's in there that does make you feel like a million bucks. Uh, what do you actually feel like really jazzed about when you do have the opportunity to put it on? And if you don't have anything in your closet that makes you feel that way, think about the last time you did wear something that felt that way. And now I don't want you to think that that means that you have to go buy that because maybe the last time you felt like a million bucks in what you were wearing was you were in a tuxedo because it was your wedding or it was the prom. And that doesn't mean go wear a tuxedo, right? Right. right. But what it does mean is that the way that you were dressed was contextually appropriate for what you were doing, who you were with, and who you were. And if you can figure out what it is about that stuff that you currently own that makes it feel contextually appropriate for who you are, who you're with, and what you're doing, and then start to expand on that and start to buy other things that can help replicate that and, and expand that even further, that's how you start to make some real momentum. Now that's hard to do. This is why I have a job is right. because a lot of times that's hard to do. But <laughs> right. if you can do that, that's where your growth comes from. Absolutely. And I'll admit to the to the audience at home that I, I've called Tanner and got some advice on my wardrobe before I have. And that's one reason I knew to bring you on the show was because you've given me actual <laughs> actionable advice behind the scenes. So that is uh, very, very doable. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, just to add to that, you know, don't do it for women. Obviously, like you're going to get more you're going to get a little bit more attention, right? Like you're, but when you start to make these changes, but again, you can take a nice guy and put a new set of clothes on him and he still is going to have these tendencies. He's still going to. He's just a simp in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> simp in a suit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's really a full a full transformation in, you know, from the inside out because you want your outside to reflect what your inside is. So I would say just be very careful, you know, fix the inside first and then let the outside be a reflection of your higher self-esteem and that self-confidence. And, and as, um, women will be drawn to you, you know, as an, as a side effect of that self-confidence. hundred percent agree. If you are dressing up for somebody else and it doesn't actually reflect who you are or where you are other people will see through it and that's why you feel so self-conscious in it because 
you know you're wearing a costume and everybody else also knows that you're wearing a costume and mm -hmm. your body language is different. Your presence is different. You can even make the argument that your energy is different. And rather than it, and this, this is why so many guys dress safe because no, it's not great, but at least it doesn't send off those posing signals that make things even worse, but you don't have to be stuck in either safe or lying. You can do the other way, which requires not only improving your style, but you have to do it in conjunction with other self-development too. That's why I don't work with guys. If, if the first step in your self-development journey is your style, that's the wrong step. I only work with guys that have already made progress in other arenas because your style has to anchor to that other momentum. It can't be the way to get the engine started for you. That's a great way to put it. That is such a great way to put it, right? Because, well, and Sarah, you and I both work with relationships and attachment, and I'm, I'm the attachment specialist. And that is so true. If you are out there trying to be tactical, if I wear this shirt, this woman will sleep with me, right? It is, Tanner, you're shaking your head, and that's true. Nope. That is never going to work. <laughs> the shirt is nope. not what's going to get the woman. It, mm -hmm. the, the shirt is an embodiment of what you already are which is either going to be real or fake. Mm -hmm. And if you show up fully yourself, that's what gets a response from the woman. Yeah, because you can have the bad boys can be in a t-shirt and jeans and still get laid because they don't, it's not what they're wearing. It's their self-confidence that they're wearing that makes them so sexy. That is so true. And the congruence within it. Yep. Correct. Because that Correct. same guy can show up in a tuxedo or a t-shirt or anything else because he's done the, he's done all of that other stuff. Yeah. That was awesome. wonderful. Well, Tanner, thank you so, so much for joining us today. I was excited for this conversation. For everybody at home who is listening to this and wants to find Tanner immediately, Tanner, can you tell us a little bit about what you offer? Can you plug some of your products, your coaching? Can you give us your website? Where can people find you and what should they immediately look for? Absolutely. So I do both group and one-on-one -on -one coaching, and it is a very fun, very in-depth process where we go through your closet. I help you figure out who you are and then how to dress all of that. I help you find the right brands. And for the most part, it's probably brands you've never heard of and all of that. And uh, like I said, in a group or a one-on-one -on -one setting, if you're interested in that, you can go to masculine-style.com and check that out there. Uh, we've plugged the book a couple of times and you can find that on Amazon or on Audible. It's called The Appearance of Power and you can go see that. And then if you really are just kind of like, curious about this, but you're not quite committed to the idea. I totally get it. I totally get that this is like a big paradigm shift. And so if you want to learn more about what the process looks like or how this correlates with other things about masculinity that you guys, I'm not going to pretend that style is the end all be all your relationships matter more. Your sense of self matters more. Your fitness matters more. Your ability to provide matters more style can supplement all of that. And I'll teach you how to think about it in that way. And so you can learn more about that just by following me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. It's all at Tanner Guzzi. So you can find me there. Wonderful. And Guzzi is G-U-Z-Y. Correct. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. Where can people find you? They can find me at saradonmore.com. I actually have a course that deals a lot with many of the things I talked about today, what really truly attracts a woman to a man and that masculine and feminine energy and how to get the relationship that you want and the woman that you want. Also, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and you can find that all on saradonmore.com. Adam, where can they find you? I love that. I can personally vouch for Sarah's course and her materials. I will not work with anybody who is not authentic. That's why I love Sarah and I love Tanner. 
So you can find me, Adam Lane Smith, the attachment specialist, on adamlanesmith.com. You will find my personal assistance through direct coaching. You will find my attachment boot camp video course that walks you through my 15 years of training and experience working on attachment relationships. You will find me as at Attachment Adam on Instagram and YouTube, where you will have a ton of resources at your fingertips to fix your relationships on the inside so you can start looking good on the outside retainer. And speaking of masculinity, we want to thank our sponsor, Rugged Legacy Grooming Supply. Thank you so much. And this was I Wish You Knew. We'll see you on the next one.